There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you look at the Wikipedia page, serial killers by number of victims, this guy is number eight, which is usually a very hot number, right? But not in this case. Over the course of four years, he killed 67 people and raped 23. His crime spanned over four provinces in China. Hi, I'm Teddy. Hello there. It's me, Justin Fing Ling. <laughs> Hi, Justin. Hello. And welcome to A Brief Case. Today, we're looking at China's worst serial killer, Yang Xinhai. Yang Xinhai was born on 29th July, 1968. Oh, very close to somebody's birthday. Oh my god, my birthday! My birthday! <laughs> <laughs> So he was born right in the middle of China's Cultural Revolution. So they were really pushing the whole communist or more specifically Maoist agenda then. He was born in Zhengyang County, Henan, and it's a landlocked area. It's really pretty, it's really quiet. Uh, we don't know much about his childhood, but he lived in a small village and he had about 2,000 people. Okay. Yeah. So he was the youngest child, his parents had four children, and now you're thinking, wait, didn't China have that one-child policy thing? Yeah, exactly. No, that only started in 1979. Oh. <laughs> we in 1968. Yeah. So his parents actually described him as really smart, very clever of all the four children, but he was also very introverted growing up. Oh my god, that's a telltale sign of like a no. serial murderer. Introverted <laughs> people and all serial killers, Justin. Smart. <laughs> yeah. He had friends. It wasn't that he didn't have friends. He had friends. Imaginary friends. <laughs> no, real friends. Okay, okay. <laughs> but whenever he was talking to them, you could tell that he was very uncomfortable. So, so he's an imaginary <laughs> friend. <laughs> <laughs> and so his parents' house, right, by all accounts, was basically like falling apart. It's like, yeah, you could tell that they were poor. Mm. Yeah. And they were one of the poorest families in what is assumed to be a relatively poor village, but they weren't ostracized or anything like that. Now, in 1985, right, which isn't super far back, like maybe 40 years-ish back, um, Yang ends up dropping out of school at 17, which is not bad. 17. I thought he was smart. <laughs> I guess not. So he actually becomes a laborer, like a construction, everything kind of work, like just labor lah. Uh-huh. And he also refuses to go back home, so we're not sure why. There's no like record of abuse, but he just left home and he just didn't want to go back lah. Yeah. So he starts wandering around that area, the provinces around there, and he keeps his head down and everything is completely okay for like three years. Okay? And so now it's 1988 and he gets arrested and sentenced to labor camps for theft in this area called Xi'an. Oh, damn. Yeah, and so to provide some context, like the labor camps in China, they are intense. They're essentially a gulag. Many people die from them, and it's also still like a massive human rights issue right now. Lah. When Mao Zedong is not your lord and savior, you go there, right? <laughs> he went there for theft. Oh, same, same. <laughs> it's all categorized together as yeah. crime. Crime. 
Yeah, so we don't know how long he was in there, but we know he got out and then he was sentenced again in 1991 for another theft in Shijiazhuang. Wait, what, was, what was the timeline between his first theft and the second theft? Something like four years. So he goes in for theft, he gets out, he thieves again. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then so, right, this labor camp, right, I'm like 100% sure they don't have any sort of rehabilitation, retraining, therapy thing. It's, it's a Chinese labor camp. Uh-huh. Yeah, so he gets out and then it gets worse, right? And I think that being in that kind of camp, it does something to you. You get like traumatized and like the people that you hang around with in like a labor camp, they're going to be a bit... Odd. <laughs> I mean, they're... they're... Yeah, at least they are better than his imaginary friends, you know. He makes real friends this time. (laughs) So he gets out, and then in 1996, he tries to rape somebody. Oh, shit. And then instead of getting sent to a labor camp, right, we don't know if he succeeded, but he gets caught. So instead of going back to a labor camp, he gets sentenced to a maximum security prison in Zhumatian, which is also in Henan, and all these Chinese names I'm probably butchering. (laughs) CLB! Justin, are you CLB? High five, girl. CLB, CLB. <laughs> okay, so now the thing is, you're like, oh, Teddy, why is everything so vague about this case? Because usually I'm like quite detailed with most things, right? But because this was in China, there was a massive media blackout because nobody in the government wants to be like, oh, we got a serial killer on the loose, man. Yeah. So and, this. And hmm? I think we specialize here in a uh, Singapore crime. That's right. <laughs> And so, a lot of the articles are also in Chinese, which is a nightmare part two for <laughs> Teddy Teo. Yeah. So, he's released for this attempted rape in 1999 or early 2000. Uh, Justin, is your math good? My math's not so good, huh? but uh, between 1996 and 1999 to early 2000, is that five years? Eh? Eh? <laughs> I'm, not in, I'm not ready for math. <laughs> no, it's not, right? So, I think he gets released early now he gets into a relationship like he starts dating and stuff and nothing is really known about this girl again media blackout and if i was the girl i wouldn't also like i wouldn't raise my hand and be like oh yeah i dated this serial killer slash rapist slash murderer exactly so it doesn't take long it probably takes only a couple of months and you know when you're dating somebody you do your duty yes. on them but this girl eventually finds out about his time in the labor camp the fact that he was a thief and worst of all attempted rape because you don't want to be dating no rapist man damn yeah and honestly forgiveness and all that but i wouldn't date somebody who's like a known attempted sexual assaulter Would yeah you? nope yeah so she breaks up with him and so initially right uh, Yang, he actually said that this was the thing that triggered him, that made him go on his little spree. But he also said a lot of other things. Lah. So, so he said he was so angry after the breakup, right, that he had this urge to get revenge on society, which is not normal breakup behavior. Lah. Yep. And because he was, and he was so angry because of this random girl breaking up with him because he's an attempted thief and an attempted rapist. Yeah, oh my god. No, maybe Th- because he was like socially inept also. So right? so society made him a thief and a rapist. Uh, I wouldn't say that. I mean, everything is a choice, you know. Yeah, it's true. Okay, so now this is 21 years ago, okay? It's September 2000. So Yang is in Henan. He's in Guozhuang village. 
It's small, it's rural. Yeah. So he camps out for a few days and he actually picks out his victims. So that was that's what he did, like that was his MO. And he was very calculated. He would look at the village and then he would look at who is the easiest and he would watch for their patterns. What time they go for work, what time they come back, what time they Does go to sleep. Does he not work? He was an odd job labourer, so he oh, didn't have to work like... Flexi hours. Flexi hours. Work from home. Okay, got it. <laughs> yeah. So he finally chooses his first ever victim. And it's a married couple. And again, because of media blackout, we don't really know about them. And because part of it is privacy for their family, which is also very considerate. Wait, how did he 2v1 them? <laughs> he waited... Okay, okay. <laughs> he waited until they were sleeping. Because he tracked their patterns, right? Oh. And then he broke into their house. And then he killed them. He bludgeons them. And we don't know what he used in this specific attack. But we know that he has used hammers, shovel, an axe, and even like a meat cleaver. He'll see what's around the house, take it and bludgeon them with their own stuff. Holy shit. And then so after he leaves, when the police come, they're shook. So... This dude, right, he's not killing people for a practical purpose. He's not killing them to get their money or what. He's damn violent. So he attacked the couple so viciously, right, that when the police came into the house, they weren't able to identify them. Like, their faces were so... Oh, shit. This is probably all that pent-up anger, you know? Yeah. So, now this is September 2000, right? His next <coughs> attack was on 1st October, just two weeks after his first killing. So he, he killed somebody and he got the Wait, taste for September it. what? Uh, we don't know the exact date, but uh, we know it's September. Okay. But the next one is 1st October. Okay. And this one, he kills three people. He kills a whole family. Holy shit. From 2v1 to 3v1. <laughs> this guy can carry me, man. No, Justin. You don't want this guy to carry. You don't want pe- You don't want to be doing this. I want him to play my carry in my Dota game. <laughs> oh, no. He kills the husband and the child first. Alright, then he raped the wife. And then after he raped the wife, then he kills her. Oh, shit. Yeah, so after that killing... Demon, demon. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing. I don't know why, but if he raped her, I thought that they would have some sort of DNA evidence, right? Yeah. But I think um, forensic... Forensic... Maybe he, like... Cut up the body I don't know No he didn't He would just oh. bludgeon them And leave the body But I think like Criminology They really only went into forensics In the 70s and 80s oh. But this is already 2000 But I I'm not sure what China was like In the 2000s Yeah Yeah maybe they But I don't haven't... think they were backward though No they weren't um, But maybe they just have, have Hadn't adopted it yet mm-hmm. For The counties Like all the counties It's a massive country Okay yeah He goes silent for almost a year so we don't know whether A, he stopped killing B, he didn't confess to those killings Or might have been unreported, you know Exactly, or the police just didn't find anything Because he was really sneaky for that one year Yeah But his next known kill and rape Was 15th August 2001 Alright, and this had carries on for 3 more years It's always the same He'll go to a village, he'll stick out the family He'll wait until they're asleep He'll murder everybody except the wife Like the, the most... Mm, I don't know the, And then he'll rape And then kill the wife And he was very clever He was very sneaky So his mode of transport right What is What's an unregistered mode of transport? The horse China? Bus 11 <laughs> 
he would cycle. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's very hard because with cars and motorbikes, you can you can identify them by the license plate. Yeah. But with bicycles, you're just like, what's a bicycle? You no, but I mean? it takes time from for you to get from village to village, right? I don't know. I actually don't not too familiar with the geography of China, Chinese Same. villages. Okay. And so right. Part of it was that I think he killed mainly farmers. He didn't kill anyone too important. Cause you imagine if he actually killed like a CCP official. Oh yeah, yeah. be massive. But these were just farmers, so I think the police just kind of almost dismissed it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So every time he did it, he would wear new clothes, and then this was very clever. He would wear shoes that were too large. So if the police came, they would be maybe like looking for somebody with like size 13, size 15 feet or something when his feet were actually much, much smaller. Mm-hmm. And then so they would arrest him and be like, oh, wrong feet size, maybe not. So it's a it's a really good red herring, but really like scheming lah. Yep. Yeah, and if you know what they say about big feet, right? He was definitely overcompensating lah, probably. <laughs> yeah, and his youngest victim, guess how old she was? A toddler. No lah, six years old. It's still still quite sick. And sometimes he wasn't super thorough either. He got lazy. Yeah, if you can say that. So in 2002, in the middle of his little four-year spree, he attacks this guy. So this is the only named family that we know because there was a survivor. Oh. Yeah, he attacked Liu Zhongren's family and... Liu Zhongren's family, they actually just bought a new house and they were going to move in yep. three days later. And in the middle of shifting and everything, right, Zhongren decided that he wanted to sleep in the new house so that he could maybe help with the shifting or get everything set up first. He's about 68 years old. <coughs> and in the current house, the current house was being staked out by Yang. Yep. His wife, his son who's in his 30s, his daughter-in-law, his grandson and his granddaughter were all in the current house. So that's whole, three whole generations. Holy shit, he killed more than five people. Yeah, so so he was getting real freaking confident. He was like, I can take all these people. Yeah. So at 1am, he broke into their house and this time he didn't use uh, something in their house. He planned for it. He bought an iron hammer uh-huh. and he attacked the family and actually the grandmother survived. Oh. Yeah, she survived for 10 days after She was brought to a hospital And then she died in the hospital And when the police came The floor of the house was so Completely covered in blood It's like somebody took a bucket of blood And just like soaked it into the wood floor No, but even then I don't understand how you can Kill so many people alone Wow, <laughs> wow there's a conspiracy right there Yeah, I mean like If like 6 people barehanded yeah. They can probably take this one guy down, no? Yeah, I think, but okay, so if it was a couple or like three people, I think it's possible. Cause yeah, it's... you could surprise one person and the other person yeah. would be like, ah, ah. <laughs> no, and I think part of it was that he was very fast, probably. So by, if, let's say you're sleeping with somebody and he bludgeons the person. By the time you wake up, the other person's dead. But six people is a lot. Yeah, you probably hear the screams by the second person, yeah. you know. Actually, that maybe makes sense. But they only ever caught one person lah. Okay. And only one person ever confessed to Yeah, that. he could have worked with a team, another weirdo, or his imaginary friend who became <laughs> true, you know? So, after this killing, he buried the hammer. He like dug a hole and buried this iron hammer and he threw his clothes into a river. Mm-hmm. Now, the whole time he was on his little murder spree, there were two very concerning things, alright? 
Number one is that from what I read, the police didn't have any leads at all. They were like completely lost. Oh, they bad. They real bad. Yeah, and this is crazy because this guy's body count right places him on par with crazy, crazy killers like Ted Bundy, like the Night Stalker, Richard Ramirez. This guy is in top ten in serial killer body counts, and the police didn't have anything on him. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing was wasn't that this guy's killings were like one year, one month apart. They were in villages that were very close to each other, and sometimes it would be days apart. Like for example, eighth November, sixteenth November, nineteenth November, first December, sixth December, thirteenth December, fifteenth December. There is a lot of kills of a lot of people in a very short period of time. Yeah. And the police didn't have any leads. The second thing, right? Is that I, I keep on referring to the media blackout. The police knew that there was a serial killer out there, but they didn't tell anyone. So people in that area, and they knew that it was happening in that particular area. Okay, the village, the counties, they aren't that big. They didn't know. They didn't know that there was a serial killer going around. They didn't know that they had to look out. And I think this is especially bad because if you're a farmer living in a rural area, you think that life is as usual. But if you knew that there was a serial killer out there, right? Maybe you and your wife you take turns sleeping. Yeah, you would take some sort of yeah. precaution. Maybe you get a guard dog who could bark bark when yeah. you came around. Maybe you could get like uh, you could sleep with a a knife or some shit. Yeah, but exactly. people didn't know. They just thought that it was life as usual. The Chinese public was very angry after this came out, lah. Mm-hmm. They were like, "It's very irresponsible." Nobody really knew what happened except for maybe the friends and families of the victims and the police. Hmm, this sounds like a very familiar thing that happened uh, last year. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, how was Yang Xinhai caught then? On November third, two thousand and three, the police were doing a routine check. Like at an entertainment venue check, so you know, like how sometimes the police will come into Zouk or come into Bang Bang, and then they'll turn off the lights, and then the police will just ask for everybody's ID and stuff. Mm-hmm. But like this is like Chinese lies in Changzhou, Hebei. <laughs> yeah. So the point is that this is completely normal, and if you didn't have anything to hide, you wouldn't freak out or whatever, right? You'll yep. just stand and pass the the mata or IC or whatever. But he did. He freaked out. So the police are looking at him and they're like, "Why are you panicking, sir? Yep. We're just doing a check." And then they brought him in. So remember, he raped a ton of people. Yep. They finally managed to pick up some DNA and they DNA test him, and he matched the evidence left at all these crime scenes. And if they didn't coincidentally just happen to check this particular club, yeah, they would never have caught him. How this guy get the money to go club? Why? Well, actually, I don't know. Like, maybe he stole some stuff. We we don't know. The police really, the media really like, was blacked out mm, for this case. That's true. So Yang is a chatty bro. He's a chatty dude, and so after he's arrested, he has no qualms telling the police what he did. He was just like, oh yeah, I totally killed them. Oh. I thought this guy is an introvert. Yeah, no, but he he told the police everything. Ah,、uh, he must have been very proud of his one and only achievement. He was, you know, he was. He he even said verbatim, "When I kill people, I had a desire, and this inspired me to kill more. I don't care whether they li- deserve to live or not. It's none of my concern." Damn. Yeah, and when he was in jail, like the other prisoners, they're like. Oh, this guy real bad. 
I'm so, surprised he didn't get like the death sentence or something. He totally did. Oh. Though. Yeah, but I think they put him in jail for a while. Uh. Yeah. His jail his jailmates they were like, "Bro, why you kill so many people?" And then he was like, "Killing people is very usual. Nothing special." Mm-hmm. Which I think is like Sharon should have ping chang, whatever. Yeah. And crazy, right? So, yeah. So he didn't even try to cover his ass. Most people be like, "Me." Me no no. Me no speak Chino. <laughs> yeah, but um, he did. He was just like, "Yep, I did it. Enjoyed it. Wanted to kill more." He even said, "Right, how stupid is this? He's in court. He's getting interrogated by the police." He even said, "Right, if he was never caught, he would have never stopped killing. He would have just gone on." Yeah, at least he's honest. <laughs> All right. So on first Feb, two thousand and four, he was found guilty. The trial took Wait, it took two years to prosecute this guy? Uh, no, no, no. He got caught, he got caught like... November. O2, no? End of O2. He got caught November 3rd, 2003. And oh, one year. Yeah, so he went to trial 2004. Yeah. So he was found guilty and the trial took less than one hour. I mean, Chinese yeah. trials, right? Can Very you imagine if he killed in the jail also? Oh, <laughs> shit. Then his kill count will go up. No, actually, I think he's, he's a bit... We, you know what I mean. He will, he'll stick out the house. He'll wait until the people are asleep, yeah. and then then he dares to kill. But now he's in jail, and he's actually surrounded by by other big bad criminals. I don't think he would dare. Yeah. Yeah. He only dares to kill people when they're asleep, and they, he only dares to kill like farmers who are just trying to make a living. But imagine he's in the jail with other people who are like rapists, other murderers. He was sentenced to death. And so, 1st Feb 2004, one thing you can say about the Chinese government is that they are fast. Within, you know like how in other countries, in the US, in even Singapore, yep. when you're on death row, it takes a while. Which isn't a bad thing, because if you're actually innocent and you're wrongly sentenced to death, right, you have a chance to appeal. Yep. You have a chance to appeal and appeal and appeal. And in the case that you're very innocent, then it's a, it's a good opportunity. Yeah, you can get... Away? Not get away lah, but you can exonerate uh, yourself. Prove your innocence. Yeah, exactly. But China is fast. And this guy is overwhelmingly guilty. Yeah. So within two weeks, on Valentine's Day... Oh, so at... <laughs> <laughs> on Valentine's Day 2004, he was executed with a bullet to his head. Oh, okay. I thought they did like hanging there. No, no, bullet to head. Yeah. Alright, thanks for listening to this week's episode of A Brief Case, China's Worst Serial Killer. And thank you for being on the show, Justin. Thank you for yeah. the invite. <laughs> Just a friendly reminder that Valentine's Day is next week. So you better be ready for your boo, huh? Don't say I never warn you. Yeah. You can find us on Instagram at A Brief Case Podcast and online at abriefcasepodcast.com. And do join us again next week for... Another Brief Case. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.